Hello and welcome to season three of the Around the Hornet podcast, revived by the current staff of the Hornet newspaper, Fullerton College's independent news outlet. My name is Jake Rhodes and I'm the sports desk editor at the Hornet and I will be your host. You'll hear from this episode are Quinn Cisneros. Say hello to the people, Quinn. Hello, y'all. Pedro Saravia. Hello, how you doing? Brian Chavez. Hello, everyone. And the editor-in-chief of the Hornet, Gerardo Chagoya. What's up, Gerardo? Howdy. On this episode, we'll be discussing five topics. The madness that is March Madness and where things stand heading into the Final Four this Saturday. How our local teams are faring in the NBA as we inch closer to the postseason. The realm of soccer around the globe. The start of a new baseball season, of course. And we'll end with a discussion on NILs and their ability to level the playing field. So much to get into, so little time. And that's what makes this time of year so special in sports. Starting with the NCAA tournament, we are heading into March Madness, fellas. We have three teams making their program debuts in the Final Four in Miami, Florida Atlantic University, and San Diego State. Then the quote-unquote blue blood is UConn, University of Connecticut, returning for the sixth time, and it's first time since 2014 when they last won a national championship. So fun facts for you guys. FAU, Florida Atlantic, is just the second number nine seed to reach the Final Four, joining 2013 Wichita State. This is only the third time there are no number one seeds in the Final Four, 2006 and 2011, and the first time there are no one through three seeds in the Final Four since the field expanded in 1985. So my question to you, we'll start off with Quinn. How have you liked the tournament so far? I've loved it. I think it's been awesome. Been a lot of upsets. All the number one seeds going out by the Sweet 16 was really chaotic, to be honest. I think FAU has been my favorite team. They have gotten a lot of hate, uh, especially after, you know, a lot of people hated that they missed that dunk attempt to beat Fairleigh Dickinson at the end. They were already up eight, but they have definitely been my favorite team. I think UConn has been dominant. They absolutely destroyed Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. Miami, I thought they were going to go out in the first round against Drake. I didn't even pick them to win in any of my brackets, but they have definitely surprised me. And then San Diego State, they've been awesome. Uh, They beat Creighton in a controversial ending. They got away with, you know, it was a questionable call. Uh, Some say it was a foul, some say it wasn't, but in the end, they ended up going to their first Final Four. Their defense is awesome. They absolutely took care of business against Alabama. But other than that, yeah, it's, it's been an awesome tournament. How about you guys over there? Maybe Pedro, what have, what have you thought of the March Madness so far? I think that this season's four finals is something different, something that we're probably not used to. I think it's a special one, and we'll see what happens. A couple of fun facts I wanted to drop in, too. I think this is pretty remarkable. There is not one player on any of these four teams that was a McDonald's All-American. The McDonald's All-American game is the best high school talent of that season, which has never happened. And actually, none of these players were even ranked in the top 50 of their recruiting classes. The highest ranked player was Jordan Hawkins of UConn. He was, he was 51st in his year. In total, there are eight players who ranked in the top 100 between the final four teams, and six of them all play for UConn. So, Brian, here are those numbers. Who you got? Um, well, you said UConn has six of the eight top 50 players. You're going to pay all your money on UConn to win the tournament. But like we've seen so far, this March Madness, it's crazy. You got all the good teams just getting eliminated. And will it be a surprise if we see UConn not make it to the final? I don't think so. No. No, I think UConn definitely is the favorite right now. They've dominated everyone. I think they've won by an average of 15, 16 points. I mean, they dominated everyone they played. One thing that I found interesting, I you know, I saw this on social media. Three of the players from UConn are participating in Ramadan. So know that. that would be Adama Sinogu, their star center, uh, Hassan Diera, and uh, Samson Johnson, three of them. Well, they said, they. I think... They're going to eat at like seven. So about 40 minutes before the, the game starts, their game starts. They have the night game, so they should be fine for the game. But it will be interesting to see how if they were to advance to the national championship game, how would they play? That'll definitely be something to look at. The, uh, for the betting people out there, the semifinal starts with uh, San Diego 
Ohio State versus Florida Atlantic. The Aztecs have the two-point favorite there, and UConn is a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Miami. To continue on that betting spree, let me put a number in front of you guys. So UConn is favored at negative 125. San Diego State's next at plus 360. Miami's at plus 500, and FAU's at plus 600. In betting terms, that means put $100 on San Diego State, it'd make you 360 bucks, right? So that's a pretty, pretty good bet. If you put money on them before the tournament started, you put $100 on San Diego State, you'd be winning $8,000. If you put $100 on FAU, you'd make 25 large. How much money again? FAU to start this tournament was plus 25,000. So if you put $100 on FAU, you win how much? You If they win the whole thing, you'd win $25,000 off the 100 bucks. You put 200 bucks down, it's 50K. God. Yep. Imagine like what that shows you what the odds were going into this thing. So Miami of those of these four was the original favorite if you were picking between these four and they were at plus 5,000. So even with them, a hundred bucks would win you five grand. So it's just crazy how things have changed over the last three weeks, I'd say. So let's just do predictions. Who do we think is going to win? Let's stick our feet to the fire. We'll start with Quinn and we'll go around. I have a who I would want to win. (laughs) <laughs> which would definitely be FAU. I love their team, but I definitely think UConn's got it. They've been the most dominant team in the tournament so far. They've definitely shown it, and it's going to continue because this Final Four is one of the weaker ones, and since UConn, which is also surprising, this is their sixth one, and then if they win, it would be their fourth. So, you know, that's pretty good, I would yeah. say, to get to the Final Four and then win it four times out of six. Yeah, I, I think... UConn's going to take it home. Pedro, who would you pick if you had to pick one team? I mean, I think I agree with Queen. UConn has been pretty dominant all through the tournament. They've shown that they have the capacity to win it, to go to the final and beat whoever they could play in the final. But, you know, it's always basketball. Anything can happen. You cannot predict who's going to win. Gerardo, you got to pick a team? Who you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Quinn, the staff writer that took care of the basketball section this semester. and he, He's always on the money, so... My money is on UConn as well. Brian, I'm going to be the odd one out. I'm going to, I want FAU to win. I love the underdog story and I'm going to take your quote and I'm going to put in a hundred dollars. Even if you do it right now, according to this, to this bet, a hundred bucks or when you 600 on FAU. Hey man, dinner on me. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. I'm going to go against the grain of all you guys. I'm taking San Diego state. Can we ask Aztecs, you why? Because defense wins championships and that defense is, elite. Who do you see the Aztecs going? They're going to play UConn. It's going to be UConn versus San Diego State. San Diego State wins in a tight but low scoring game. I'm saying 52 to 50 is my prediction. You heard it here, guys. I I disagree. I think FAU beat San Diego State. I think I, they're going to be the one team that makes it to the Final Four and finally get over the hump because we have seen this before mm-hmm. where teams have gone on Cinderella runs. They get to the Final Four but they lose. They that's, lose in that semi. That's where that semi matchup. <laughs> so uh, I definitely do think that FA. I think FAU breaks that breaks that curse. We've actually seen this with a coach that's in this tournament, but not. He's with a bigger program now, and Jim Laranega. Yeah, he's the coach at Miami, and he brought George Mason, Mason. an 11 seed, into the 2006 Final Four. So he's been in that boat. Unfortunately, they did lose to Florida, who Florida. eventual champion that year in the semifinal. It's very interesting. I think all four teams are just so unique, and it's just been fun. I think it's been great to watch these new programs get a, a fresh, a fresh start here. So we're gonna move on, guys. We're gonna move on to the NBA professional ranks. As of this recording, the Lakers are at the nine seed, which means they would host Oklahoma City Thunder in a play-in game at. Staples Center. Don't say crypto.com arena, folks. Staples Center. Okay. <laughs> they would face them. Once they win, 
Sorry, I'm not a Laker fan. <clears throat> they would face the loser of the Timberwolves and Pelicans on the road. So that's the situation Lakers are in today. Clippers are at the five seed, which means they would be not hosting, but they would be on the road against the Phoenix Suns in a 4-5 matchup. Let's just open this to the table. We'll start We'll start with Quinn and we'll move around the table. Obviously, the Lakers just want to get in. But if you could choose, would you rather face the Nuggets or Grizzlies in the first round? Because that is who they're slated to play. It's a, it's a tough decision. It all depends on the availability of who's playing for the Lakers. You've seen the past couple of seasons, LeBron and AD have, you know, they've had injury issues. Depends if they can stay healthy or not. But I would have to say Denver. It sounds crazy, but Denver definitely seems like the easier matchup. The Lakers have beaten them. They've beaten both teams, but the Lakers, I don't think in a healthy matchup, they, they can't beat the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies are, they won't, they won't make it to the finals or they won't even, I think they'll lose in the second round, but the Lakers definitely are, wouldn't be a good matchup for the, uh, for the Lakers. Definitely would pick the Nuggets for the Lakers to face. How about you, Gerardo? Would you rather face John Morant and his Grizzlies or the Joker and the Nuggets? Are you asking me as a, a because I'm a Laker fan? Yeah. I've always been partial towards the Nuggets. Uh, but if, honestly speaking, because I'm the editor-in-chief, you know, all the duties fall under me. I have not been able to keep up with any <laughs> other sports. But I always rely on Quinn and yourself for mm. the information. We were talking earlier about how the record stands and mm -hmm. the Lakers have a losing record. Correct. So I spoke about how the league play is right now. Like a lot, even the number one seed, do you know what the record is? They're 51 and 24. It's pretty in, decent, in, right? In the West. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't think the level of play right now is, and this is just me being opinionated, but I don't think the level of play right now is the way that, uh, where it should be. I mean, we're kind of like talking about how these players are great, but mm -hmm. 51 and 24, that's not a pretty good record. For number right? For number one. For number one. Am I right or am I wrong? Well, that's debatable. I mean, the West has been the dominant conference, you know, the past 10 years or so, or, you know, you mm -hmm. could even go back to the early 2000s. Go back 10 but, years, though. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's debatable, but 51 and 24 is really good. They had, their road record is what's pretty, they're only one game above 500 on the road. That's not great. So that means that they could definitely, you know, lose those road games in the playoffs because playoff atmosphere is definitely different. Sure. Um, but their home record is 32 and 6. And that's what's going to win them their games right there because they do get home court advantage. They'll have those game sevens, you know, and they could definitely take those. I, I definitely think the competition's better. I don't think it's weaker. The, like the Bucks in the East, they're 54 and 21. So we'll see. I definitely do think you're wrong on the competition. Fair weaker. enough. Fair enough. How about you, Brian? Do you watch any uh, NBA at all? And do you think the competition's gotten any stronger or is it kind of dropped off in the recent years? The first question, I don't really watch the NBA. I think it's a very exciting, but I heard you guys talking before we started recording that you know the best record was Golden State's it was 73 and 9 so you see when you go 73 and 9 and then 51 and 24 like Gerardo said the competition probably dropped off you know without context maybe everyone else their competition is going up too so you know maybe we can't just say that it's just that all the teams are getting better and it's getting a little bit equal so it's just going to be hard. How do you gauge that though I mean just to touch on that base because how do you gauge that level of play or that, that comment with the level of play that we're seeing now with that record what I can say is that I don't think competition getting weaker is the correct phrase, but what I think you're trying to say is the sport has been saturated because we're adding these extra playoff spots where if the season ended today, for example,
example, the Lakers are under 500, they wouldn't qualify for the playoffs, right? They'd be out. But because we have these nine and 10 seeds, they can get in with a substandard record. And that kind of weakens, there's only 15 teams in the conference and 10 of them are getting in. Like, that's not very exclusive. But the last, the last two have a losing record though. Right. So I'm saying, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but there's never been more talent in the NBA, but I don't think there's, there's not very good, many good teams in the NBA. Pedro? From a standpoint, for somebody who's not a really great fan of the NBA, I don't follow game of the game, but I would say it's pretty sad to see the Lakers in this position. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, for it's sure. a Thank team you. that's <laughs> been historically dominant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been one of the greatest teams in the history of the NBA. Agreed. Seeing them in ninth place. I mean, the past couple of years has been horrible for the Lakers besides that uh, season they won, first LeBron season, but I don't know what's going on. It's kind of crazy. I love that you brought that up because mm-hmm. this is, I think like a couple of guys at the panel are younger, but me and Drew are, are some older heads. Yeah. And to think that we're settling, oh, the Lakers could just get into the play-in. The fathom that Laker fans are uh, subjecting themselves to that thinking is sad because when we grew up, it was championship after championship after championship. Every season, they were in the mix or winning the whole damn thing. I'm not I'm not only talking about the three-peat they had when, right. when I was in high school, but bring it back to the 80s during mm-hmm. Showtime era. Yep. The NBA was a losing league. If it wasn't for the Lakers, they, yep. they, they brought the league back into prominence mm-hmm. right here in LA. Yep. And then that opened up the opportunity for shoe deals, endorsements, like big time money. Yeah. The NBA was going to flop. Yes. The NBA was going to flop. The Lakers bought the NBA back. Bird and Magic saved it. Bird and Magic well, saved it. Yeah, yeah. The, they, they also have been dealing with a lot of stuff. You know, I think the trade for Westbrook really hurt them. I'm not a big Westbrook guy. Uh, when no, they made that trade. Either. What did Westbrook bring to the table, though? He brings, you know, it's, it's, that's really hard because ever since he won <laughs> that MVP, it's, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to say what he brings. He's going to bring intensity. I, I will give him that. He brings yeah. 100% effort every night, but it's his turnovers. It's sometimes he's lazy on the defensive end. Shot he can't, yep, shot decisions. He cannot shoot the ball. He has not been a good shooter the past three or four years. So that trade that we gave up Kuzma, Catavius Caldwell Pope, we gave up a couple first round picks. That really set us back. AD getting injured. Some of them aren't his fault. I think, you know, they just had a game a couple weeks ago against the Rockets where he sat out because it was a back to back. I think stuff like that hurts the team as well. It keeps them back from you know, getting over 500 and getting some momentum. LeBron's back now. But yeah, you know, we'll see. The Lakers have either, they have self-inflicted wounds or some stuff that you can't control happens. So yeah, it's been a rough couple of years. Going back to Westbrook a little bit, it's a nice transition into the Clippers because he is now a member of the Clippers and he went across the hall. So the Clippers are in an interesting spot with Paul George being injured and they're in the five seed. So they're not in a play and they're, they're in the playoffs as of today. My question to the table, we'll start with uh, Quinn and go around. Who has the easiest path to the Western Conference Finals? Is the Clippers the Lakers. I'd have to say the Clippers do because, I mean, the Lakers, you know, if they even do get in, if they stay at the 9 or 10 seed and they win their two games, they'll be an 8 seed, you know, and they'll have mm. to face the the Suns. They'll have to face, they'll have to go through the Nuggets first round. They'll have to face the Suns in the second. Suns or Clippers. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Lakers, they just never seem to beat the Clippers and it is so frustrating. If you look back at the record since 2013, 2012, the Clippers have dominated the Lakers in all assets of the game. Like, it's just it's been rough but you know if we if the lakers face the suns or the uh clippers it'll definitely be a tough road for the lakers but the Clippers, you know, they just have to beat the Suns and we'll see from there what happens. But I, I would say the Clippers have the easiest path to the finals. For you to have lived your life thinking the Clippers dominate the Lakers is crazy. Is it not, Gerardo? Mm-hmm. I was like, my whole life before that, before 2013 was like, the Clippers were not even relevant. 
they were just a little brother in the hallway. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So it's interesting to see where we're at as Laker fans. And again, as we move on this podcast, we'll see how they pan out. And then again, transferring into a new realm. And I'm going to lean on our soccer experts at the table, yeah. uh, Pedro and Brian. Yeah. Uh, we got some soccer topics for y'all. Starting off with, we'll do some club stuff here as Byron Munich has fired head coach Julian Nagelsmann. First of all, I'll start with Pedro and move to Brian. Is that shocking news or is that was that expected? I mean, it was shocking. The team has never given... A statement, Bayern Munich has never given a statement on why he was fired. It happened in the morning. I was just on my phone and I opened the phone and said, Nagelsmann has been sacked from Bayern. The team is doing good. They recently beat PSG in the Champions League 3-0 on the global score. They're doing pretty good. And I know they're second place right now in the Bundesliga for the first time in a couple of years. You know, they've always been dominated on their league, but right now they're in second place. Still close. I mean... They're doing pretty good. I don't know why he got sacked at this moment. Like I said, the team hasn't given any statement on why. Some people argue is because he didn't have a good relationship with the owner of the teams. They didn't have a good relationship with some of the key players like Navri or Sané. It's it's pretty shocking. What do you think, Brian? Shocking, yes, because we're at the closing end of the season. And right now to just, you know, fire your manager that's been working with you for over two years at this stage is pretty shocking. But it's Bayern Munich. So when you see a team like that and their expectation of winning second place for them is not acceptable yes they took out psg which is a strong team in the champions league but second place in the bundesliga is not acceptable and i could say any manager will be able to take bayern munich to the quarterfinals of the champions league so that for them is not the biggest achievement so it's understandable that they did sack him and they brought in Thomas Tuchel. So I, I could see him doing a good job with Bayern. Yeah, he has a, he's really energetic. He has a strong uh, position on what he wants. And I think he's a good fit for the team. I think his behavior is pretty similar to Nagelsmann. He's very strong man, you know, tell the players what to do, you know have a strong position but uh let's see what happens i know one of the reasons that they're saying they they sacked nagelsman was because they wanted to bring tucho and they didn't want madrid or any other team to get him before let's see what happens i, I hopefully the move works for them i have a question on that is there are they allowed to do that i mean out here they they can't fire someone an uh, nba or something be tampering yeah right is that something that they could do out in, in that league uh fire someone to bring someone else in i mean yeah depending on the contract you know some uh coaches the same way as the player they sign a contract for so <laughs> many years or however but obviously most of the times in coach contracts they the teams reserve the rights to end the contract whenever they want what are the chances that because that sounds like you're getting fired to bring someone else in right but what are the chances that he got fired for something controversial uh, if it was controversial, was he was he a controversial individual no, i mean you guys were saying that he had problems with a couple of his players or that he wasn't liked very much with his players you hear that a lot and it's usually uh, you see that stuff behind closed doors so it wouldn't be released to the press but in this certain in this case they fired him because they specifically wanted to bring in this manager it wouldn't be said at all it really wouldn't be said and it and to answer your question i don't think it would be a violation of any code specifically since thomas tuchel isn't hired by any club right now so he's basically a free agent and anyone could sign him up plus nagelsman is getting uh 30 million oh, euros fire me fire me fire me then 30, mm-hmm. 30 million you yeah yeah fire me. so i guess let me go back to brian too one more topic before we move on to other clubs 
clubs. Do you think Nagelsmann's tenure considered a failure? Yeah, not a failure, but in terms of Bayern's measurement of success, mm. it would be. He's, he's over there shaking his head. He's disagreeing with but it, it just really would be. He did not win the Champions League. He's second place in the Bundesliga. Everyone, it's everyone wins. Whatever manager you are, if you have Bayern Munich, you're gonna win the Bundesliga. It's just like it's Juventus when when they were running with the Serie A title every year. It just just it happens. I'd have to say he's a failure. Well, he won the Bundesliga. He got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League last season, but he got beat by Villarreal. I wouldn't say he was a disappointment. He was average, mm. you know, because there've been all their coaches in Bayern Munich that had done. Worse than him mm. uh, I can name a few right now Probably um, Carlo Ancelotti, Ancelotti. He yeah. did pretty bad uh, He got kicked out On the 8th round Of the last 16 Of the Champions League By Real Madrid uh, Like Brian was saying Bayern is always Going to win The Bundesliga I think they're Going to win In this season too They're just two points Behind uh, Borussia Dortmund And they have An upcoming game This weekend So yeah His performance was average Like he couldn't got the, Couldn't get the Champions League I know last season Champions League Was very competitive They were playing Against a Villarreal team That was amazing And well let's see What Thomas Tuchel does now Seems like the standard are higher for Bayern Munich than they most are. clubs. Yeah, they are because Bayern is a pretty strong team, pretty dominant team. It's feared in all of Europe besides Real Madrid, obviously, because it's the best. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole no bias, episode right? we could do that <laughs> <laughs> on that one. And then let's move on to national news. I was informed during our session on Monday that Mexico was booed at home in a game they didn't even lose. They tied at Jamaica. And we'll start with Brian and move to Pedro. Is there something underlying there that makes the fans this frustrated? Yeah, what well, people have to understand that the Mexican fans are just extremely passionate when it comes to their team and their national team specifically and so when you go to the Azteca you have to win and you have to win convincingly there is no room for error there and when you tie to a team like Jamaica no disrespect to Jamaicans but they just tend to give you a, a difficult time and in this case they were about to lose so when you add one and one together and it's just not acceptable for the Mexican fans it's not acceptable for the of Mexico to tie to Jamaica at the Azteca. It's Mexico and they played in the CONCACAF. Their conference is just a bunch of Central American and Caribbean teams, the US and Canada. They've been dominating for the whole history, you know, mm -hmm. they've been the best team. And to see them struggle against teams like Jamaica or like Honduras, it's it's kind of sad, honestly, mm -hmm. from a standpoint. Like I'm a, I'm on a Salvador fan because I'm from El Salvador mm -hmm. and I always want to see my team beating Mexico. But right now it seems like it's, it's going to be possible because the Mexican team is not performing at level. And them losing at their mythical stadium, Estadio Azteca, they always win there. I mean, whenever a team goes play there, it's, it's a lose. See mm -hmm. them tie against Jamaica in the qualifiers. They tied against the U.S. They've been losing a lot of power over the past few years. And, and obviously, I understand that the fans are frustrated because they're, they're used to win. Mm -hmm. They used to win, and I think it's also have to do with the corruption that's going on mm -hmm. uh, with the, within the federation, the Mexican soccer. It's been crazy the past few years. I mean, one of other factors that's playing it's that they're not bringing coaches from Mexico. Mm -hmm. to lead the team. It's just coaches from other countries, from Argentina. Like Yeah, but uh, they've been doing that for years. Borda, when uh, they played in the 94 World Cup, Borda was like their biggest uh, technical. And uh, Borda was in, he was in Mexican. He was from like somewhere in Argentina, uh, somewhere up there. Like he was the biggest thing that they had. And was Mexico doing good back then? They were. They, they made, were. this is in the World Cup. Because I know um, when I started watching soccer like a lot, it was Pio Herrera who was the coach from Mexico. Uh, he was crazy. He ran, he screamed, mm -hmm. he screamed the borders who tried to talk to him, but he was a really, really great coach. 
coach. It's pretty common yeah. though, to be honest, to bring then, in like even even now, like they're they're like retired or they're considered old heads. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're from other countries. I mean, Giovanni dos Santos, he's he's Mexican Brazilian. His mom was Brazilian. His dad was Brazilian. They're from other countries. I mean, you you can also like get into these situations like happen in the World Cup. Mexico had to face Argentina, and the Mexican coach was from Argentina, mm-hmm. and then Mexico lost. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people argue that the coach. I mean, probably not. He did not do it with an intention, but a lot of people was arguing that it's hard, he, it's hard yeah. to defend him. Well, yeah. yeah, he looks kind of sketchy. Yeah, he, the, the lineup was really weird. The lineup that he did, you know, and he was playing against his home team. And after he lost the last game of the World Cup that he played at, he just left Mexico. He said on the press conference, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be part of this team no more. It's just my fault. I'm gonna leave. You know, so it's pretty weird. I think nowadays they should try to bring somebody who knows Mexico, who knows their style of playing, and the players, more the than players like, as well. Yeah, and they shouldn't be doing this type of things. It's super weird. It's just doing for marketing, probably. Yeah, but they always bring in other people. If they technicals, managers, coaches for the team, they bring them from other countries and eventually they want to come further north uh-huh. to America. I mean, people are like Chicharito. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that Chicharito is going to retire in the MLS and he's going to be American, uh-huh. right? So he's going to leave his home country and he's going to become a national American citizen because of the league. Uh-huh. David Beckham did it. David Beckham won a... Yeah, they're all doing it. Canelo's doing it right now, too. I know it's a different topic or a different uh, sport, but Canelo's American now. So this guy's looking at me like, what are you talking about? Yeah, we need need more (laughs) time. That's definitely a hot take. Yeah. Yeah. And let's move on to the last soccer topic we're going to discuss. Messi being courted by the MLS was the quote I got from Pedro. So I'm going to ask Pedro to start and then we'll move on to Brian, too. Which club, if any, do you think lands him? And is this common for a whole league to get together and try to bring in a star, even though only one team's going to benefit from it and make the money. I think if Messi comes to the MLS, he's definitely going to go to Inter Miami because that's the team that's been pushing to bring him for years already. And I can understand why all the MLS teams are kind of like pushing for that to happen because bringing in Messi, one of the best soccer players in history, second, I mean, that's my opinion. He's the second. He's the go. He's the go. He's better than Ronaldo. He's better than Ronaldo. He is. He is. But he's not better than Pelé. But that's another topic. That's that's another topic. Getting back to bringing Messi in the MLS. That's going to be a big jump for American soccer. That's going to throw us on the big stage. We're going to get a lot of views. We're going to get a lot of money too Mm -hmm. because it's messy. People like to see Messi play. And I mean, I know David Beckham has been talking about bringing him to Inter Miami when, I don't know if you guys know him, but Gonzalo Higuain, one of the players, uh, former players for the Argentinian team, he played on Inter Miami and he wanted Messi to come, but he retired already. But yeah, I think he'll go to, if he comes to Inter Miami. Now, I think he's going to come here. I don't think so. He wants to stay on the big stage over there in Europe there's a big rumor that he's going back to Barcelona players mm-hmm. there want him back the president there wants him back and I think he's going to leave PSG because PSG is honestly I know you said PSG is a strong team but in my opinion I think they're not they're just a bunch of you know names no it's, it's not a bunch of names it's just a bunch of like regular players with Messi and Mbappe you know go get him Brian go Neymar get him Brian Neymar can't stay on the it, it sounds like it's it's a marketing ploy it's just to bring noise it's a fantasy yeah and it's not gonna happen I don't think he wants it I don't if he really was for the money he would go to Saudi Arabia like Ronaldo did right yeah but that's not that's not his intention his intention 
He wants to win. I don't think he has the same mentality as Ronaldo as the winning mentality, but I think he I think he is going to stay in Europe. If he were to leave Europe, he'd probably go to Argentina. I don't see him coming to oh, yeah. to MLS. With, 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 unless he wants to retire here. Uh, no, Newell's, Newell's old boys. Yeah, like he's that. mentioned it uh, a lot of times in his career that if he leaves Europe and he wants to finish his career, he'll do it on Argentina. But, mm. you know, anything can happen. You know, Ronaldo said that he wanted to stay on Europe. He wanted to stay on top soccer. And then out of the nowhere, boom, I'm going to Saudi Arabia. Hard to say no to $200 million a year, though. That is right. <laughs> that is right. That's you know, what they're money, offering? $200 million a year? A year. Per season, $200 million. Leonel. <laughs> but you know he left Barcelona because they were not going to pay him what he wanted and then he went to PSG that you know PSG is a team that literally can throw money at a player who has a big name like if money was nothing you know so I think money is not to underestimate in, in, in this type of topics now I want to get just before we move to the next topic this is for you and Brian do you think PSG will ever win anything big because I always see on social media that they always go out by you know with the quarterfinals whatever it may be you know it's weird because when it comes to the champions league it's heritage i don't know wh like why madrid oh, all the time madrid always wins it it's yeah. they're just like when it comes to the champions league it's just it's their title it's their league i don't like to admit yeah. as a barca fan but it's true yeah that's their competition and one thing i want to say like to be a good team does not mean spending crazy on players it's to form a good team to sign when you need to sign like the players that you need make a structure psg does not have that structure their strategy is just spend money like crazy and, and get the biggest names on the stage, you know? So they're not going to win Champions League or any big uh, European competition yeah, I hope they never with that win. mentality. I don't, I, I, I don't <laughs> I want them to win, win either. I they, hope they never win and I hope City never wins either. Just yeah. so, just Ouch. not to hate, not to hate, but just so like we could keep on teasing them, you know? Yeah. Like, I like teasing them. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. No, you don't want the big spenders to win because then they won. Then they want, won. Yeah. I don't want this to haunt me, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was great. Great conversation on soccer there. Our football, I guess, was the proper, the proper way to say we're supposed to be saying it. Foodie. Uh, moving on to the MLB. Baseball is starting. We're recording here on a Wednesday afternoon. Opening day is tomorrow. So we have our local teams. Dodgers are opening up with the Diamondbacks tomorrow night. Julio Urias is the opening day starter. We'll start with Gerardo and move away on the table. Sure. What, what do we expect from the Dodgers this season? I expect the Dodgers to be from what I want to what I expect, right? I want them mm. to win the World Series. No doubt about yeah. it. Not going to happen. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what I expect. I expect Julio Urias to shine at first and always he he has a tendency of choking. He Debatable, did, he did right? close out a World Series. Okay. I would true. I say our, our boy Kershaw, who I love to death, prior, more guilty of that. But prior to that, yeah, that is true. But prior to that, prior to that World Series uh, close out, so he might not get to that level of play again. I mean, one can say that that was his peak, and there's no uh, no way around that. The pitching staff needs to do their job. Yeah. They have to do their job with Urias. They have to do their job with Kershaw. Kershaw's been doing well, well mm -hmm. during spring uh, training, right? Yes. Um, I think the Dodgers will definitely make it to the playoffs. At least we'll stop there. Well, they'll make with the winning record, not like the Lakers. I I agree. Moving on to the team across the freeway, the Angels open up with the A's and Shohei Otani is opening day starter. Before I even get into the Angels, is Shohei Otani the greatest player we've ever seen? It's debatable. Uh, <laughs> that's very debatable considering you know Mike Trout is his teammate. I think Mike Trout is the goat of baseball. Does Mike um, Trout pitch and throw ninety nine miles an hour? See, that's the thing. <laughs> Will Shohei Otani? He's a great player. Don't get me wrong. I do think. He, 
in time, you know, if he keeps going, he will be the greatest of all time. But that's the thing. He has to keep it up. Mm-hmm. Is that's he going to keep part. pitching? Is he going to, you know, in his later career, he's not going to pitch forever. Can you be the greatest of all time and never win a, a World Series? That's what I was going to ask. Because yeah. he's not he's not going to gain that with the with the Angels, my guy. No. He's not going to attain that with the Angels. That's he a, could come over to the other side of the freeway with the Dodgers. Tricky, that's that's why tricky. it's different. Well, some people say it's Barry Bonds. Granted, you know, maybe he did Barry steroids, Bonds. but he never he won a World Series. <laughs> Ken Griffey never won a World True. Series. Der- Derek Jeter won five, five World Series, right? But he was a horrible defensive player. But he was clutch. That's the thing. He was clutch. And he did have some luck with having some great guys around him because, you know, baseball is a different sport. Yankees One guy spend. can't carry a team. And the Yankees spent a lot of money. Um, but so Shohei... Can you answer the question, though? Can can he be considered the greatest of all time and not win a, a World Series? Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah. I think titles is different. Bill Russell's he won 11 championships. So no one really considers him as the true GOAT, but he has the most titles. I I think titles is different from, you know, what they do for the team. I mean, LeBron and Jordan. Jordan's considered the GOAT, right? But he has six titles. He has six titles, right? So it depends. It depends what the player can do for you, what the the player did over his career. I I don't think titles really matters, to be honest. So number stats? Yes, and what they do Is he going to be able to gain, attain these stats with uh, with the Angels? I don't know, because he does, that's the tricky part, like the number numbers like especially in baseball such a numbers sport i don't know if he, because he pitches he has to take the next day off and especially as he gets older there's no way he's going to keep pitching and, and hitting every single day 162 mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. so will he have enough time to reach all those numbers is the question he's only been in the league since 2017 2018 yeah. that's, that's five not years trout's been in the league for 10 10 years so it's shohei's already 28 like 20, late 20s. 29 so you know it, it depends whether he's also had a history of arm injuries so you know, can can I ask now since we're talking about the Angels? Can I ask about um, Anthony Reynolds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's with the Angels now, right? Mm-hmm. He signed a big contract. Yeah. What has he done for the Angels? He has done nothing. nothing. He you, has done absolutely nothing. And I think the Angels. Pool, he came from. He he literally they brought him over because he was a World Series champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and winning. He, he he could hit. He could produce uh, runs. But ever since he's gone to the Angels, he's been nothing but an injury prone. Can't machine. stay on the field. Yeah. He cannot stay on the field. And I think it's some people think, and I you know I kind of think this too. I think the Angels are cursed in some <laughs> way because they bring these they sign these guys. Bring back to Mike big Fosha. contracts you look at Josh mm-hmm. Hamilton Albert Pujols CJ Wilson guys like that they just never Black. pan out ever so you know I, I don't know what it is but you know, I mean, if he stays healthy it's it's hard seeing him bounce back but if he plays a healthy season maybe fair enough and then last local team we have here is the Padres they open up with the Rockies they have Blake Snell as their opening day starter I guess we'll start with the question that burns my soul to ask I'll ask I guess I'll ask Quinn again is San Diego the team to beat in the National League no <laughs> they are not <laughs> I think you know it comes down to the NL East. I think it's going to be between the Braves, Mets, and the Phillies. The Padres, see, they have all these guys, right? But they don't have... It, it's weird about the Padres. Whether it's either they're pitching folds or they're hitting folds. So I think I think this year they'll be in the playoffs, but I don't think they're the team to beat. They just... It's like the same thing with PSG or whatever. They have all these names, right? But can they, you know, can they actually produce? produce? So it's like, you know, it's just... It, it'll it'll be hard to yeah. see them. Padres has never won the, the World they, Series. They've never won the World mm-hmm. Series either. It's, it's that... 
that takes a lot of their name. Yeah, but yeah. they've been they've been to the playoffs in the last five six years. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah they've, they've got a decent well, twice team. the COVID year and then yeah. last year. Yeah. So and they've been know, in the why do we keep thinking? Oh, Machado because he was with the the, the Dodgers for they were doing that right. Yeah. Can we agree that he's a dirty player? Oh yeah, that's okay. That's pretty straightforward. Now he's when he was a Dodger, he was dirty, but now that he's a Padre, he's a Saint. So I don't know. It's I think he's definitely matured. I don't think he's yeah. He's grown up a little bit. As a Dodger fan, it kills me to admit, but I I think the Padres are the at least going to win the NL West. I think so. Dodgers are going to be the well, yeah, yeah. The Dodgers have definitely lost, lost, lost. They have lost, lost a lot. So many. Yeah. Didn't they, the last season they went like over a hundred games, they, right? They, they, they won one eleven. Yeah. What? But they've lost going? so many players. They've really? lost yeah. the core of that team. Yeah. And we don't know the young guys. Maybe they pan out, but we just don't know that right now. And the yeah, Dodgers the, thing that they've had as long as I can remember in the last 10, 10 years or so always had depth. They've always had the next guy up is just as good. And yeah, yep. they don't. This year, if somebody gets don't. hurt this yep. year, they're in trouble. Can mm-hmm. can we go? And I'm gonna go to you, Quinn. Can you just go around and just mention every player that we've lost that was pivotal to the game? Guys lost Kike, Bellinger, Jock Peterson, Justin Corey Turner. Seager, Justin Turner. That's the whole lineup. And then. You lost Trey Turner this past offseason. Mm-hmm. Max um, Scherzer. Max Scherzer, yeah. So, I mean, the Dodgers one. have lost a lot. So, and who do we have that's worth mentioning? I mean, Will Smith. Will Smith. Freddie Smith, Freddie 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 you still have those oh, guys. The, the bullpen, questionable. Bullpen? Uh, the bullpen's Maybe. actually the strength. The yeah. starting pitching is, is, the, is the scary part. Yeah, the starting There's no pitching. depth. It's after, because mm-hmm. Bueller's out for the year. Gonsolin's already on the DL. So, now we're basically relying on a Kershaw who hasn't pitched more than 150 innings in the last probably five years. Mm-hmm. Urias, who has never pitched more than that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, he's still pretty And then good. now a bunch of Syndergaard is a resurrection project. And they have all these other younger guys like Pepio, who pitched in the spring training last night, got shelled. I mean, he's a young guy. I mean, I don't know. We don't well, know how it's going to pan out. But you you being Dave Roberts, what do you do? What do you do? You, you Magic with Johnson, you, what you do you work, do? You work with your guy because yeah. they didn't, the front office didn't deliver. And that, that can be a whole other Yeah, podcast. but what if your corporate sponsors are asking you to make uh, the playoffs? What do you well, do? No, I think, I think we'll make the playoffs, but we're not. I think the Padres team is just way more loaded than yeah. ours yeah uh, they're, they're more experienced the the I dodgers agree. the dodgers they, they have to they're banking on miguel vargas to have a, and james a big year and james yeah. Altman. so you know if those guys don't produce and they're gonna have some serious problems because yeah, i can guarantee you him. trace thompson is you know not gonna do guys it. like jason trace thompson, hayward yeah. yeah jason you jason hayward jd martinez like, like those guys relying are on those guys yeah. to like have a renaissance here so um we'll we'll save our we're gonna do some division winners of hot takes but we'll we'll save we'll save that for next episode mm-hmm. because i do want to get into our last topic before we ran out of time here and it kind of circles back to march madness the randomness of the final four along with miami being very vocal about securing players a large amount of nil money players making up to four hundred thousand dollars a season a good change has yeah, some nice change for a 21 year old right we raised the question have nil's name, image, and likeness deals actually leveled out the playing field in this major sport? Or is the group that advanced a product of sheer luck? Do you think these are evening the playing field for all colleges? Or do you think this is kind of just like a one-off lucky thing? No, I think it's going to definitely make it a lot more even in terms of where these players decide where to go. Because now it's not just the top 10 teams that are going to get all the best. You know, you're going to have like Miami the first time going into the Final Four and they had all this money, all these um, lucrative deals to offer the players. And of course, you know, what 20 year old isn't going to say yeah I don't want 400k I'm going to go somewhere else no they're going to yeah. go to Miami they're going to get 400k and well and, and produce because they're a top player well yeah they're a top player exactly so then you get it's going to all trickle down it's going to take time and then you're going to see that it's going to all these players are going to go here the program is going to have more success the program has more success and then well more it's going to just bring in more talent I think money motivates mm-hmm. you know so 
I think this player is getting paid is just going to give them more reason to try to get to the bigger stage and, you know, just have a reason to, you know, they're getting a lot of, they're getting a lot of attention and all the big teams from NBA or, or, or any other organization are seeing them and they're going to start choosing. So they, they got to have that in mind. And then uh, they're getting paid. They're already feeling like that uh, experience of being on the pro. So I think, I think it has to. When do you, do you think this is good for the sport? I do think it's good for the sport. I think it's always great to, you know, each year always have someone different win because with college football, college football and college basketball, very different. You know, the football has it's even with the NIL, it still has a little bit of similarity. But with basketball, it's different. Basketball, you know, is it way different. I, you see teams like Duke and Kentucky, they were out by the first weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's even in the past couple of years, even last year. So, yeah, I, I think I think the NIL is great for the sport. I think it's great for the players. They can not only support themselves, but their families, too, because, you know, some players, you know, didn't have a lot growing up. They needed basketball. They needed sports to get out, you know, of where they were from, you know, stuff like that. So I, I think it's great. And, and it's going to it's going to do a lot for the sport. It's going to be a lot of different things. And hopefully more people come around to it because I still see a lot of people that do not like NIL. Personally, I'm a full supporter of it. Yeah, me too. Gerardo, what do you do? You think do you like the way this thing's being operated nil wise? Yeah, I mean, yes to everybody's. I'm gonna take a little bit of everybody's uh, opinion on it, and I'm gonna go with yes. But I actually want to get your opinion. I want my sports desk guy's opinion on on nil because you wrote a piece about it. And I, you wanna I did. I did. Want I, everybody to be informed. I wrote an opinion piece on um, FC Hornet Media about nils, and I'm with Quinn in the sense that yes, these players deserve to make money. And uh, 100% so. But in my opinion, I feel like the NILs are a scapegoat for the NCAA. The NCAA is not held responsible. They don't pay any of these bills. It's these businesses that are setting contracts for these guys. And when we're going to finally hold the NCAA accountable, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But they make billions upon billions of dollars and don't pay anybody for it other than their employees, obviously. But they don't pay the athletes that, guess what, if they decide not to play tomorrow, there'd be no money to be made. Right. Yeah. But because they're college kids and they're young, they kind of get, can take advantage of and they're afraid probably. They, I mean, they don't have a union or anything to strike. Yeah. But if they were paid by the NCAA and they had representation, I think everything would just be above board and smooth. Fullerton College basketball um, head coach Perry Webster was interviewed for my for my piece. And he that's exactly what verbatim pretty much what he said. If they just did it all in front on board in front of everybody. I think it would be it'd be a good thing and be able to manage it. And, you know, I'm not saying like that these guys should be making millions of dollars. If Alabama football generates, you know, 15 billion or 15 million dollars, you can distribute that to the team and they can all make equal money and the program still makes it. But like, say, Alabama gymnastics makes a million dollars. So they're going to make less, but they're still going to get the money that they deserve for competing, right? What they've earned. And I think passing the ticket on NILs is not the answer. But for what we have right now, it's it's doing what it can at at its best operating system. And again, you can read this article in its entirety on FCHornetMedia.com, opinion piece by Sports Desk Editor Jake Rose on NILs and NCAA passing the ticket. So I think that's just just my opinion. Like I said, I want these athletes to get paid, but the same token, I think the way it's going about right now is not the best. And it could be better. Yeah. Well, there's money running around. Give right. it to the players. The players are the, the ones, ones that, that do working, it. Right? Yeah. But they're student athletes. It's like they don't need to be making millions. They no. Just, but it's yeah, but a survivor. It opens, yeah, yeah, it opens exactly. up a market. Yeah. It opens up a black market for, I don't know. You've seen the movie He, he Got Game? Yeah. With um, Denzel Washington yeah, and Ray yeah. Allen. Yeah, yeah Ray Allen. Mm-hmm. He, he was taking all these, uh, these bribes. But that's when money. it was illegal, and that's why it was illegal, because yeah, but, was doing stuff backdoor. This is now in the open, but it's not in the open by the NCAA. It's in the open by businesses forking up money. So a 
mom and pop shop can, can say, hey, I'm going to sponsor Cal State Fullerton yeah. baseball star. Da, da, da. Hi, I'm Jake Rhodes, and I'm Cal State Fullerton outfielder. Come buy Mama's Pies tomorrow mama's you know, pies. down the street or whatever it is. Right? Mom's Spaghetti. And they can get paid for that. Yeah. And that's where they make their money from. Yeah. But like, mom, pop, giving you like a hundred bucks and a free pie, like, or can we go like the NCA and like you generate that much money, and like you should be getting paid a couple of G's, yep. and now you can actually afford your housing, you can actually afford to eat and not live off top ramen. What does that do? Actually, I have a question. I guess I should have brought that up. The NIL deals. What does that do to players that are under scholarship? They're they're so, they're at UCLA under scholarship. The are they allowed to win or make any money off of it? The scholarship only applies to tuition, books. And a food stipend at their food hall or mess hall, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but that's it. So, like, say you kill your stipend. Well, how are you going to eat? You don't work. You're practicing four hours a day with lifting weights, playing games. You're in Arizona and Hawaii and Florida playing games, right? I don't see the bad in that, by the way. No, I don't either. But, like, you're not But you're not making money doing that. So, like, uh, how are you going to survive? Yeah, but you're getting an education due, through a scholarship. Yeah, but if I'm getting education and mom and dad are back home and have debate, to, right? That's the debate. Uh, what am I supposed yeah. to, then like, what are they supposed to do? Well, I'm out here living my best life in college and they're struggling, mm-hmm. right? I, mean, I could, it's a, well, in, it's a in, double-edged in, in, sword. Or in any other business, I could go market myself, make money and give it home. Yeah. But this, because I'm an amateur, I can't make yeah. money because yeah. I, I mean, blessed with the scholarship and this food stipend, right? Right. <laughs> and yet this company is <laughs> making billions of dollars off of me. And if I didn't play, they would be making billions of dollars. That's just where it all. Yeah, yeah. And, I that's the, and that topic was so taboo like 10 years ago. Couldn't even discuss that because like you said, you should be thankful for the scholarship. Thankful for I'm just playing because I love the game and all glory to God for basketball. But it's not that way anymore when I can make money doing other things. Yeah. That's just the reality. Now, yeah. in time, it's only been a couple of years, but in time, do you think these student athletes, since they're so young, do they, do you think the amount of money that they get, do you think? They will lose motivation to play at a higher level because say say they say they get you know a, a 500k deal right. That's a good. With, answer. That's a good. Question. So it's yeah. like, do you think yeah. since they're not like they already have that cash, that's life changing money. Do you think in time they will lose mo- motivation? If you're an if you're an athlete at that level, I would like to think that you like the challenge and you like to be striving for greatness and not just being satisfied with that level because you know that 500k isn't for, it's life changing money, but it ain't forever. But if you use that money. You survive, survive college with it. Then you go pro and then triple and quadruple your money. Then that's that's generation changing. That's different. And you have your college degree because you stayed. Since you couldn't make any money before, everybody was a one and done and out as soon as they could be and not having a degree. Then they tear their ACL their first year, right? Now yeah. they have no degree and they have no money. Yeah. But yeah. an 18-year-old from the Midwest isn't going to think that way. No. That's definitely a progressive West Coast, East Coast type thing. For that's sure. A, yeah. That's a good thing. Do you think it also based on where they're from? Yeah, wherever the location is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, like I mentioned at the beginning, it's a motivation. You know, mm-hmm. they're already getting paid for what they do, so they already know it's working. Right. I think that's just gonna push them to work harder yes. and to try to aim bigger. You know, so I think it's beneficial, and I think the players should get paid. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's a great topic, guys. Great conversation. Thank you for partaking in that. Um, and that's gonna about do it here for this episode of Around the Hornet podcast. You can interact with the show by answering polls and DMing topics you'd like us to cover and share our hot takes on, of course. You can do all of this by following us on both Instagram and Twitter at FC Hornet. Be on the lookout for next week's episode where we react to the final four and see how our beloved Lakers and Clippers are faring down the final stretch. For Quinn, Pedro, Brian, and Gerardo, this has been your host, Jake Rhodes, and we are signing off.